Welcome to the Nuggets, Inc. podcast presented by Avaca TV, a proud sponsor of the Denver Nuggets and Colorado Avalanche and the most affordable option in Colorado to watch regional sports. For just $25 a month, subscribers can access Avs, Nuggets, Rapids, and Rockies games anywhere via their phones, tablets, or laptops. We got a saucy, spicy Nuggets, Inc. podcast for you today presented by Avaca TV. Mike Singer's got some things to say about this last weekend on the road. We get into Jamal. What's going on there? Bones getting benched. Nikola Jokic, why can't he shoot threes anymore? All that and more coming up next. We are in the old podcast studio on North Washington, surrounded by... Uh, I don't, what do you call this? What, what, what is the foam? We're, we're, we're in a foam room. Podcasting foam. Podcasting foam. Is that the official term? Yeah, that's how they sell it. Okay. Podcast. Yeah. Well, we're surrounded by podcasting foam. Official Denver Post Studios. Three game losing streak for the Denver Nuggets. I'm, oh, boy. Am I correct on that? Three game losing yep. streak? I'm looking at it. Yep. Uh, last night, Dallas comes into town. A hotly contested affair that they lose. Second night of a back to back, Dallas. Nikola Jokic misses a clutch free throw at the end too. I mean that was that was a rough one. And they they competed, and you had to come out of especially after the weekend. You had to come out of it feeling like, well, this is a step forward. But at the same time, like there's at least three or four different chances they could have won that game. Look, when you give up 17 three pointers and you turn the ball over 17 times for 23 points, I don't care about your defense. I don't care about how many max players you have. I don't care about how many MVPs you have on your team. You're not going to win very many games. Um, the turnovers I, were really bad. They were egregious, and they've been egregious for the past three games. When you look at kind of the common denominator of this three-game losing streak, they're turning it over, and they're just these are awful passes. Throwing it through traffic, like I don't know. Like there's a, a few factors going on with the turnovers. I mean. On the second unit, you have sixth man of the year candidate Vlatko Chanchar, <laughs> who is is kind of just trying to you know figure out his way in the second unit. And when he gets slotted in with the starters, um, Vlatko hasn't had a ton of reps with them. That's a um, Bruce Brown had some very curious passes. Yes, I don't. I mean, you know, six foot four point guard trying to like throw a two handed uh, overhead pass through Spencer Dinwiddie. That's not going to succeed. Um, and and even Joker, I mean, he's not immune. He threw some no. horrible cross court passes. Yes, um, that I don't know whether it was out of you know, you know, being lazy, being tired, um, not giving the Dallas Mavericks credit. I think the Mavs only had two road wins coming into last night. Um, all of those factors, man. Some of these passes were just so bad, uh, and some of these turnovers were just god awful. Um, that this was this was bound to happen. That being said. I am not sending up smoke signals and fire alarms with this three-game losing streak. I thought the Mavs' loss was a hell of a lot more um, palatable than what happened over the weekend. I, I think I think a lot of people felt that way, and they, to your point, man, they just needed to compete. Yeah, it, I would say defensively, there there were points early on where they did kind of look lost, and 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 they were behind on a pass, you know, around the perimeter, but by the end. Guys were on guys with as the ball was whipping around the perimeter for the Mavs. There was nobody getting a wide open look. Guys were closing out to shooters. Uh, a couple of really big plays at the end, battling in the post, and then a KCP that the the turnover with Luca, where he basically swatted the ball off of his arm. Um, that was all promising. You just wish you would have seen it a little bit earlier in that game. I mean, I think from like the 404 mark of the fourth quarter to like the 32nd mark until Dorian Finney-Smith hit that three-pointer from the top of the arc, they didn't score. It was yeah. an 11-0 Nuggets run that right. cut into a 10-point deficit. And that was just sort of a well-executed play, the one with, with Dorian Finney-Smith. I, I, I didn't see like egregious defense from the Nuggets on that play. No, there, it wasn't. I mean, th they didn't rotate correctly on it um, like they had been earlier in the game, but um, I think Dorian Finney-Smith hit five threes i think tim hardaway hit six and luca hit four like uh you know there were good contests all around and yet this is what the mavs do they spread out 
they spread out the floor with shooters. This is what Luca does. He'll he'll draw two guys and kick to the weak side corner that's always open. Like and he always seems to find it. You got Maxi Kleba too, who can hit. Um, they just got a lot of guys, man. They, like I hope that we get a playoff series with these two teams. That it, it will be fascinating. The X's and O's. Um, now two and one uh, in favor of Dallas. I think Dallas comes to Denver one more time this year. Last night was fascinating on a lot of levels, but I will circle back to it. The fact that they competed, I know Michael Malone will not concede a moral victory. I'm here to give them a moral victory. Well, there you put one in the MW column there, Aaron. W, so, moral win? Moral, not oh, not oh, an sorry. MV? Well, they, they, they call it the W column, so there's, I guess it is MV. You're right. It's, Matt's on his A game today, guys. Apologies, listeners. You're just going to have to deal with it. Um, so uh, Bones Highland... Um, one of the positives from last night, he got benched over the weekend. Uh, he comes back, plays really well. He's one of their best offensive players in that game because Jamal was not very good. Um, we can get to that later. But uh, Bones responds to getting benched. Uh, I would say not great on defense, but competed. Was They were posting him up a lot. They were posting him up quite a bit on the other end, and he was battling. Uh, and then he made some huge shots. Uh, so, w- what do you think about the way that he responded to? To uh, I think what did he play four or five minutes the game uh, five, before five minutes Sunday uh, in New Orleans in the first half. He played at the end of the first quarter, two minutes into the second quarter, um, did not score. Was responsible, quasi responsible for two of Jose Alvarado's threes before the onslaught came. Um, the first one he did not close out and he didn't even contest, which I'm sure Michael Malone loved. And then the second one, he gambled on a pass and, and ended up like falling into the stands and Alvarado walked into a, a wide open look. So those two, um, lapses on defense, in addition to not initiating the offense and walking it up and just kind of easing into that as a second unit. Um, that's why I think Michael Malone pulled the plug. Was that a little bit rash? Perhaps. Um, but that's what I think went into it. Uh, he has in Ish Smith, he has a third string guard who can get into stuff and doesn't ease himself in. He's been doing this in basically his entire career. Um, he knows how to just inject life and juice into a game. Um, and that's what Ish did. And so, yes, Bones gets benched. We walk into the post game locker room. He leaves within a few minutes. He has no interest in talking. Um, and Tuesday rolls around and uh, Michael Malone has an extended conversation with Bones Highland Tuesday morning at shoot-around. I asked Malone about it, um, about benching him uh, pregame Tuesday night, and he just goes into this whole interaction that they had where he was honest with him, and he told him, we, we expect the effort. Um, it, it can't be a negotiable question whether you bring it on defense. We know what you're going to do on offense, but it needs to be a prerequisite that you show up and compete on defense. And to Bones Highland's credit, man, I thought, like, I was very, very impressed with his his multiple effort, with his fly around, with his commitment to getting out on shooters, um, even on bigger guys. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. I think six seven, six eight, clearly, you know, can shoot over Bones, but Bones was trying. Like, he yeah. wasn't just giving up the window. Dinwiddie was posting him up quite a bit. Dinwiddie was posting him up. Luca had him. Um, but Bones fought, man, and you know had had a block on Dinwiddie, had two steals, the one where he ripped from Luca, I think, in the third quarter. Um, and I mean, I just liked his gamesmanship. And if and and so what I wrote about today, if he can bring that gamesmanship, if that is a consistent thing, it unlocks so much for for Bones and who he is. Not only in the trust level with Malone, but like, I mean. How many two-way players do they really have? And, and does Bones have the capability of being a two-way player? I mean, I, he wasn't he wasn't like by any means a, an incredible defender I, last night, but he was definitely playable. I mean, does he have to be a two-way? To me, like if he's like a one and a half, you sure. Know? Yeah. That that that's good enough. We'll take a point seven fiver. Yeah, it's one point seven five. Math major. Sure, sure. why yeah. not? Yeah, I I I think you know he's never going to be an all defensive player. That's just not. He doesn't have the size for it. But he's long and yes. he's quick. He has a really big wingspan. So if he shows the same commitment that he does on offense, um, on defense, and just commits to stick into a guy's hip. Um, I think he can be an effective defender. And that's all that Michael Malone is challenging him to do is just bring it. Just show me the effort. Like, 
I mean, you just wonder what the breakdown is in, in effort. It, not that it's a tangible thing, but like how much, how much, what percentage does he commit on offense and what percentage does he commit on defense? And oh, by the way, it's the same question that we ask of Michael Porter Jr. Um, how much effort do you put on this end? And, and Porter has talked about how easy offense comes for him. You give the same effort on defense and you have yourself a legitimate two-way player. You uh, referenced the Sunday game. We've, we've referenced it a couple times. Not a great night. For the Denver Nuggets, uh, the the final score one twenty one to one oh six. Grand Theft Alvarado uh, was it thirty eight points? Sure was thirty eight points. I, I got to tell you, didn't see that coming from him. Did did not see that sort of game coming from our guy Alvarado. Uh, who did? His previous career high was twenty three. That's it, unbelievable. Could not miss and and uh, kind of an ugly game for the Nuggets. So uh, my question that was you, not just kind of an ugly game. It, it was a very ugly game. So. And they they lost in in Atlanta uh, the uh, two nights before that on Friday. What so, was happening in the Atlanta loss? Uh, not good things. <laughs> well, if from the Hawks the Hawks perspective, that was the morning where uh, you know reportedly Trey Young gets into it with Nate McMillan. Trey right. Young doesn't show up, so this team is infighting, and yet. Yeah, you lose. It's, the Nuggets didn't beat them. Yeah, that that was that was rough. I mean, in in one defense, you're like, well, they've been on the road quite a bit at this point. It's not easy. Garbage. Uh, the the not buying it. Uh, all right. Well, we're not in the MV column for that one. And and so, uh, I guess my question to you is, what do you take away from this weekend? This this two game road set that neither game is going to go into the Nuggets Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's an understatement. Um, I love. I love weekends like this. Uh, obviously, I'm not a Nuggets fan. I don't really care what happens, win or lose, but I love it when everything is laid bare and it is, and there's just transparency. I love it because I don't need to guess. I don't need to make inferences about what's going on. Um, they had an awful loss in Atlanta when they barely showed up. They barely showed up to, as we just mentioned, a team that was infighting, and you end up losing. Uh, we're in the postgame locker room. Although, just, just to, you know, they're always infighting in Atlanta. Go. Okay. Uh, we're in the postgame locker room. Um, Jamal has no interest in talking. Uh, the only guys who talk are, uh, are Ish Smith and um, who else was it? Uh I, th- I mean, it, it was Ish and Bones. Ish, Ish, Smith, and Bones Highland were the only ones who talked. And it's just like when, when there's a loss like that where you don't show up, you want to hear from the, the stars. You want to hear from the people who set the tone. Um, I did go up to Joker and I asked him something about <clears throat> about how the game went. And he, he, you know, he was fine. He was cordial. But I'm more so looking at Jamal in this case. Like, I want to hear what's going on when DeJounte Murray is putting it on you guys. So. Not, um, not the only person that DeJounte Murray has put it on. Yeah. So then you you have that kind of bad taste in your mouth. We go to New Orleans. It's an early start. And I'm convinced that there's going to be a bounce back. I'm convinced that there's just going to be a, a mindset shift, that something will give. I even tweeted before the game that I was predicting that there would be a change in the rotation, in the second unit rotation. Um, I was wrong. There was no change in the rotation. And when I say that I love weekends like this and games like this is because it's a tell. What happened in the first half is the Nuggets bench got outscored 30 to 10. 30 to 10, okay? Um, Again, this is the game that Bones was benched after just five minutes. One adjustment? The only adjustment that Nuggets coach Michael Malone made was benching Bones Highland. He didn't do anything else. Davon Reed still played. Vlatko Chanchar still played. DeAndre Jordan still played. Um, and, you know, when Christian Brown more or less made his NBA debut, it was against Steph Curry and, and Clay Thompson. And I wrote it. We, we talked to him after that game in Golden State and raved about his gamesmanship and ability to stick with those guys. So when Grand Theft Alvarado is hanging 38 on your heads and you have a potential defensive stopper, why aren't you using him? And when you don't use him, it's it's insightful. It's telling. After that game, I asked Michael Malone three separate times about the bench. I asked him, what'd you see from the bench? He said, I'm going to have to check the film. Then I said, do you think that getting Jeff Green and Michael Porter Jr. back will help with the alignment? 
and he said, we'll have to see, we'll have to wait and see. We'll see what happens. The bench unit wasn't good. I take responsibility for that. Then I said, given that you guys just got outscored 62 to 18 by the New Orleans Pelicans and you did not score in the third quarter from your reserves and you scored three points in the fourth quarter that actually mattered are all things on the table in terms of rotation changes, in terms of evaluating what works and what doesn't work. And he said, I'm not in the business of panicking. I'm not going to make wholesale changes after two bad losses. Okay, we've learned a lot. When you dig your heels in and are insistent on winning on your terms, that is what I learned this weekend. And and let me make this clear. What Michael Malone did this weekend is not unique to him. Uh, although I will say one pro scout from a different team told me that Malone is, quote, uniquely stubborn um, <laughs> uh, when, I, when I talk to this, this person. Um, that being said, a lot of coaches are like this. They play their guys. Remember when we called Tory Craig one of Michael Malone's guys, P.J. Dozier one of Mo- Michael Malone's guys? What does that mean? That means that he trusts them in situations over other guys where – other people have different vantage points. When I have different vantage points and I'm asking and I'm writing, you know, what your options are. He, and Michael Malone goes, we'll check the film. We'll see what it is. Fine. So I write what I write about the bench. See Michael Malone um, Tuesday morning at shoot around. It's the usual uh, party of reporters there for shoot around. And Malone, you know, walks by us cordially. He goes, gentlemen, 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 good to see you. Good to see you, gentlemen. Hi, Mike. <laughs> and... And I, I love it. I love, I love it because I know that Malone pays attention to what we read and write. Um, you know, I, I would love to be the Denver Post newspaper carrier who drops off the Denver Post at his house. You know, does does Malone has Malone trained his dog to pee on the Denver Post? <laughs> who who's to say? Um. But well, my, it, but, it should be noted things changed. This is what I'm getting at. This is why I love weekends like this when everything is is on the table. It is irrefutable that that he did not coach his best game, and he knows he didn't coach his best game. So coming into pregame press conference yesterday against um, against Dallas, Michael Malone was an open book. I asked about Bones getting benched. Um, Matt Moore asked him about uh, playing Christian Brown and what the message to Christian Brown has been. Everything was on the table. And the reason why everything was on the table was because Michael Malone owned it. He knows he made a mistake and he knows that he can be better. If you talk about players being accountable and holding yourselves accountable and looking yourself in the mirror, which is what he said after the Atlanta game, the same has to apply to you. I don't care that you have been in the job for eight years. This is arguably your best team you've ever had. Like you need to audit yourself too. And so a lot of people hit me from around the league uh, after that New Orleans game is is Malone in trouble is is there any kind of heat or pressure? And you know, I don't think that there's pressure on him. I, I maybe there is pressure, but I don't think there's it's like a I don't think the seats getting warm by any means, but I do think there's scrutiny and I do think the scrutiny is fair and I do think he would concede that it's fair. Um, when you have expectations, there is implicit pressure. And when you have the talent that he has, there's implicit pressure. So Here, here's the point, though, where, where I do note that Michael Porter Jr. hasn't been available. Uh, Jeff Green has been in and out of the lineup. Um, there, there have been things outside of his control that have cool. affected rotations. Cool. And what happens Tuesday night? Uh, Michael Malone trained his dog for one day to not pee on the Denver Post. And he read it, and he looked at the suggestions that I made, which included potentially giving Christian Brown some run and potentially giving Zeke Naji some run. And, you know, I'm obviously being facetious. I have I about to say, did Singer run in the rotations for the Nuggets now? Right. I'm obviously being facetious, but the point is that that's how obvious it was, that he knew. And it's not often that Michael Malone concedes, but he knew. He knew that there was – he knew that changes needed to be made. When you get beat that bad and you and, and you have options and you don't use them, I mean, you, what are you supposed to like? I, I just look at the end of that New Orleans game. Michael Malone lost it. 
on the official. Natalie Sago with two minutes left. The game was over. There was no need for him to get ejected. And he's yelling profanities in her direction. And it's like, what are you doing? There, what is the point of that? He's and then I and then I pushed him in the post game press conference, and I'm sure he loved that. And so and then he he calls for practice late that night, and then he cancels practice on Monday morning. And so there's all these like signs that he's that that he, he's up he feels up against it. You know why why is he vulnerable? Why is he defensive? Why is he going at Natalie Sago? And so um, ultimately he makes changes. And so when I reflect and, and and audit the weekend, I'm like, this is a ultimately a very good thing that happened because when you are forced to reflect and you are forced to acknowledge what wasn't working, I mean, that is a hallelujah moment be, for, for a guy who is, you, you know, quote, uniquely stubborn and a guy who can be honest with himself because the Nuggets are only going to go so far if he optimizes this roster. In my opinion... Th- there, Christian Brown is a better player than Davon and and can and can offer you more. Michael Malone said after yesterday's game against Dallas, even in the loss, he goes, Christian Brown's a part of our future. I need to find that kid minutes. He competes defensively. He's ready. Uh, when the ball comes to him from the perimeter, he'll he'll attack the glass. Um, he'll attack on, on drives. Like, and these are these are all the check marks that you want. He he checks so many boxes for a rookie that he doesn't make the typical rookie mistakes that that drives Michael Malone crazy cool if he if he doesn't make these mistakes then why don't you trust him and so well I mean Malone and rookies he has a history fine but but I love it I love it when everything is honest and everything is at the forefront and I I I respect Michael Malone a ton and I and I appreciate his honesty and his transparency because he owned it he owned it Tuesday pregame, and he owned it postgame too when he said, yeah, you know, I, I got to play them. They played hard. There was no such commitment on Zeke. Cool. Let's 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 fight our battles another day um, until we write the Zeke, Zeke Najee profile. I, I thought he played well last night too. I, I thought he made some things happen. He did. Um, you know, and I also think DeAndre Jordan has not been as bad as people make it out to be. Like he's been – he's playable. Sure. I don't think he's going to be playable in the playoffs. I think – that's an interesting topic. Who are the people that Michael Malone should trust? Well, I think it's a it's a you're at a short list right now. It's obviously it's your starting five, okay, uh, including MPJ as, as being one of the starting five, right? Yeah. Um, I think our man, Mr. Brown. Yep. Not Christian Brown. Right. Downtown Bruce. Uh, I think Jeff Green probably is one of those guys. Maybe. Um, I mean, he's he's just he's been to a war. You know, he's been in a lot of big playoff games. Um, and then I guess Bones is that, is that is that I think it's it? more than an I guess yeah who has the capability of of being in that rotation if you're playing eight or nine guys in my opinion Christian does in my you think, you think he's one of the eight I think he deserves to be or has the capability of getting to one of the eight hmm. and I also think Zeke has the potential to who would you slot him ahead of Jeff Green. I mean, that's the question. It's a Zeke or Jeff Green thing. Does Zeke show you enough throughout the season to warrant being in the playoff? And also, do you have an eye towards the postseason? Should you have an eye towards the postseason? And this is, again, not a problem that is unique to Malone. All coaches want to win the night of, and it cannot look into April or May. Mm -hmm. That being said, I wrote this, man, third year of Zeke Naji's career, and what is he? What? It's it's another Another pro scout from a different team told me that he described him as a, just a giant ball of clay and was intrigued. In fact, multiple teams asked me about Zeke Naji uh, this past weekend. Does that mean that he's a guy that would be trade bait? Uh, I think so. His, his contract status seems like that would make that a little difficult. Uh, I, I, mean, I guess they would be able to basically one more year of team control, correct? If, if Yes. But, you know, like – what can he be and in terms of potential he he carries more unknown potential on the team than probably anybody yeah because I you already you fair. already know what 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 guys are we Except know maybe what, christian brown for I, sure that's a good one but we we know what bones is to a degree um i don't know what his ceiling is and i and i don't really believe that calvin's going to undermine that or short circuit that before we have a, a better sense in just his second year but zeke nobody knows what he is and so you got to play him because he's a may be good, but B you got to get you got to goose his trade value a little bit if somebody's actually going to come for him, and and that's where you ask yourself if they needed to 
find improvements or find upgrades, um, where are they going to come? And it, you know, if you really had to just do a quick breakdown of the, of the roster, like I think you said it off air, who do they have that can block shots? Yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I Maybe he's their best block shot, you, shot blocker. I don't know. Do you trade for a more established backup five? Is JaVale I, available? Well, I, <laughs> okay, so here, here's Can I the, get Isaiah Hardenstein on line one? Well, here's here's the thing about that. Hey, Bull, what are you up to uh, this uh, this postseason? I mean, haven't we said... <laughs> ignore that for now. Um, haven't we pretty much said... Um, that shot blocking has been a, a concern for the Nuggets for a long time. And how much of that is just the fact that um, Nikola Jokic is going to be on the floor a lot as your center, um, you know, and, and unless your four is a shot blocker, you're never going to quite have the great rim deterrent uh, that, that you're going to have uh, on other teams. Yeah, Matumbo, it's not coming through that door. Right, right. And and is Nicole, and, not, and this isn't a bag on Nicole. Neither is Marcus Camby. Oh, love Marcus, Marcus Campy. Well, now there was a rim protector right there. I love, love him. Yes, great. UMass days. You remember his UMass days? Yeah. Oh man, so good. Uh, yeah, John I, Calipari. Yeah, Calipari. Lou Rowe. If you remember Lou Rowe from uh, those you're days. You're in the weeds. Okay. All right. Sorry. I I love that UMass team. I love and, you dating yourself too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, but it was what I was going to get to with with Nicole is he's just never going to be a shot blocker, right? He's a fine defender. He's just never going to be a shot blocker. Yeah, and so you ask yourself, what is the toll of two years taken on him? Um, what is his a- effort exertion level uh, been through the first quarter of the season? Um, you also ask yourself, when when they put Joker in incessant pick and rolls, um, half of that is on is on the guard too. And so when I look at the, the Nuggets are ranked twenty sixth, twenty sixth overall defensively. My God, that is not a team that you think is. I mean, they say you got to be top 10 in, in both offense and defense to have a realistic chance to win a title. 26th. FYI, uh, Aaron Gordon is the leading shot blocker with 17. On the season. On the season. Cool. Yeah. Um, what's Bull doing again? <laughs> um, <laughs> I have to say, it, it, it is uh, – it, it's instructive. That it, it, the, if we talked about an off-air about an all Malone team of uh, of guys that have gone on post Nuggets to to find a role somewhere else. I called them the miscast toys. Yeah, <laughs> the miscast toys of Michael Malone. Yes, and and uh, Bull Bull is turning into one of those guys. Bull, Hardenstein. We can kind of say Javale would be on that bench. Jared Vanderbilt, certainly Jared. M- Malik Beasley. Although Malik had a bit of a run there for a sec, an old friend Jeremy Grant. I I don't think Jeremy Grant's. I I I disagree with that. I mean, he played a lot of minutes and he played crunch time minutes. Not a terrible starting five on that island. Team. No, no, th- there's guys. There's definitely guys there. Um. So, but rather than get into that, we got to take a quick break because we got some other topics. Oh, that was so good. To. I'm sorry. The Nuggets Inc. podcast is presented by Avaca TV, a proud sponsor of the Denver Nuggets and Colorado Avalanche and the most affordable option in Colorado to watch regional sports. For just $25 a month, subscribers can access Avs, Nuggets, Rapids, and yes, even Rockies games anywhere via their phones, tablets, or laptops. Avaca also offers dedicated channels for college athletics in Colorado, including CSU, DU, Northern Colorado, and Metro State. As one Twitter user aptly said, it's like the Netflix of Colorado sports. There are no contracts, and subscribers can pause or cancel at any time. Sign up at avaca.tv. While we were discussing things uh, during the break, yeah, it was pointed out to us by our extraordinary podcast producer and music no K photographer, Aaron Ontiveros, that we totally tripped over what should be the team name for the Malone All-Stars. It's the Post Malones. <laughs> That's so good. That's, that is gold. Yes. Yeah. Low-hanging fruit. Yeah, Post Malones. Who, who's the MVP of the, the Post Malones, in your opinion? Oh, boy. We are, we're going to give that honor to Bull. Bull? Bull got no love in Denver. We'll give him some Post oh, Love. I, I was begging for Bull minutes for at least 12, min- 12 look, months. look. And, and we're making light of it, but a lot of these things were circumstantial. And there was not 
it wasn't like um there weren't remember when bowl was here they went to the conference finals right so things worked out there wasn't a time to really develop him but when we talk about them needing rim protection them needing size in the front court maybe young springy size jared vanderbilt would be nice oh yeah yeah and he he never really found a, an opportunity with them I, it, it just never happened right during his time he was he was part of that trade to minnesota correct it was uh he and uh wancho wancho and i believe malik and malik and they got a first round pick back that turned into i think it was part of i think it was part of the aaron gordon trade Oh, uh, which which no were? no I don't think that was part of the Aaron Gordon trade. Gosh, now we got our our, our producer is going to look that up while we talk about other things so we can set the record straight. We got to get in a, into more pressing topics. Jamal Murray, that was a rough night for him last night. He, I just kept waiting uh, for him to sort of turn it on and uh, take over the game at some point, and it just didn't feel like it, it ever happened. Don't you think that I, I, if this team's going to succeed, they need that two two man game between him and Nicola to be a thing in the last five minutes of a game? Man, and it's not there. I don't think that Reggie Miller is getting a Christmas card from Jamal Murray. Oh, that was rough. That was rough. They 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 showed multiple replays of of his defense on that three from our guy Luca, and uh, I mean. Yeah, I get I get why Reggie was going after him. It, it, in first blush, it was not much of an effort from Jamal on defense. In fairness, Jamal already had two fouls, and that was late in the second quarter. So I do think Jamal was hesitant to pick up that third foul. That being said... Also, I, don't you kind of want him to shoot that step back three? I feel like that's maybe his worst shot that Luka takes is that step back three. All I'm saying is the defense that Jamal quote unquote played on that play was analogous to the defense that Bones played against Grand Theft Alvarado. <laughs> and that got him benched. Correct. Now, one of those dudes is a second year guy, and uh, another one of those dudes is a max player. So um, I'm here for double standards. But uh, Jamal Murray, man, two of 11 last night. The thing that I didn't like about Jamal's game. And I rewatched it. I always rewatch the games. Is that he he spent way way too much time consumed with what the referees were doing, and he's baiting them. He's he, he's clapping in their face, egging them on, begging for a technical foul when a call goes against him. Maybe he was inspired by Luca. He very well could have been. That is Luca's forte. But but Jamal like. Most of the time I don't see you play that game. Most of the time I don't see you get wrapped up in the whistle game. And granted, you ended up picking four, your fourth foul early in the third quarter. It takes you out of your rhythm. I saw Jamal pressing. I just saw Jamal fighting it. I saw Jamal forcing stuff um, into traffic. We talked about some of those bad turnovers and just putting people in bad positions. Um, it's like Jamal wants it all at once. And it was it was interesting because Malone said after the game he thought Jamal had turned a corner. And after the game, he said that he, he, yes, he said after the, yes, reflecting on it, he, he, when you took a 10,000 foot approach, he thought that Jamal had, had gotten to a point where he was past kind of these duds. Um, but I mean, it's also what Malone then did say is that it's a stark reminder, man, the dude hasn't played in 18 months. He's played, um, I think, you know, he sat a few, so around 20 games this year, 20, 22 games this year. And it's just like, this dude has been off for a long time, and he and he wants to showcase that he can still get it done. But you know there are growing pains, and this is what they're going through right now um, with Jamal in particular. And we saw it on offense, but defensively, this is what I was getting at earlier. When you look at the twenty-six range defense, I still think he's hesitant at, at, at taking contact and his his reaction times, his awareness, his effort. I don't think his conditioning is there. Um, Malone has talked about it a ton that maybe not a ton, but he's mentioned it, that his game conditioning is just not there. And so when you think about them going on all these road trips and coming off a two game road trip and then coming back to Denver, they're adjusting to altitude too. And when I, when I see Jamal with his hands on his knees, like in the second half, I'm like, man, where's your wind at? Shouldn't they, I, I, they should get the altitude. I, they live in Denver. I'm, I'm not buying that one at all. I, I will say this, uh, notoriously, Slow starter. Even when he's healthy, Jamal Murray would would always start off seasons uh, slow. So in that way, this isn't entirely different from the rest of his career. 
Yeah, I think he's averaging 18 a game on lower shooting percentages than normal, missing free throws that he generally doesn't miss. Um, I, not not really shooting the mid range shot that that you you're just sort of used to him curling off of that pick and like he can pop at any point. How often is the pick and roll with Bones and Joker more effective than the pick and roll with Jamal and Joker? He was deferring to that at that the is, end of the game. That is, I mean that that's kind of irrefutable too. That like that that Bones's pick and roll was more reliable to Joker than Jamal's last night because. Jam- uh, again, Jamal is just hunting a little bit, and I think he's trying to will himself out of a little bit of a slump and will himself to to regain his stroke. And you know, anybody who's played basketball, um, you can't force it, man. And and maybe that's leading to some of these turnovers and that's leading to some of these ill-timed shots. Um, but Jamal does not look fully there. And but and so uh, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna be glass uh, half full, fourteen and ten. Jamal's not really there yet. Porter's been out for seven games ongoing with the heel injury. Um, they've had an awful, awful schedule. I think they're fourth in the West. Um, do they deserve the benefit of the doubt? Uh, Matt, what say you? I do because I think that – Did we just get married? <laughs> it's. I think that's legal here. Yeah, We're, we're good. They, okay. we, we don't have a Republican uh, – we're not going to get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Quick right turn. Um, all right. Uh, I, I I did want to say um, here's some numbers for our guy, Jamal. Lowest true shooting percentage since his rookie year. It's 528 right now. 528. He's uh, free throws at 78%. So, clo- so close, Nate Silver. 78%. <laughs> that's, that's good. Delayed? Yeah, that's good. No, I like that. No meta. I like it. Uh, and he's... Meta world Jamal. I, I think the thing that if I, when I watch him, and I, you, you're kind of saying it already, um, he just doesn't look natural. It doesn't, he's not like, there was a lot of times when Jamal and Nikola Jokic are right, where they're doing that two-man thing where he's handing off, giving it back. They're sort of going and they're just sort of toying with defenders. I have not seen that. Arguably the best two-man game in basketball. So good. And at at what point have you really seen it even approaching the level that it was? I pre-injury? have. I've seen it in flashes, but it's just the inconsistency. And this is, and you could just drape that word over the entire team, to be honest with you. They've just been inconsistent. Right. Some, sometimes Jamal will get it going, then he'll get COVID. Then he's out, you know, and then there's a reconditioning game that he needs to get back. Then they're on the road again. They're in a back-to-back, and you can't play them. And it's just like they've had a really funky start. Why are you cackling? No, I'm, I'm, I'm no, no. You're cackling. I, no, 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 no. It's, it's true. It's true. I, one thing I, I did, that you immediately thought of with inconsistency and, and uh-oh, Nikola Jokic slander coming. Nikola's not hitting three-pointers. His three-point shot is it, – it's below average now at this point, which he was a, pretty much a strong 40% – Three-point shooter. Um, is it the wrist? Is it uh, – what, what, I mean, what, what what's going on here that he's – does he just not want to shoot threes? Um, there, is, there is definitely a hesitancy on his part to shoot. It's kind of – I mean, he will do it when the situation warrants it. You know, shot clock's taken down when, when, the, when the pass mandates that he shoots it. He doesn't like to right now. He, it's funny because he, he will try to draw – opposing big man out and pump fake them in the air and then go into his long extended dance um to the hoop right and he for that whatever seems reason to be, he prefers that quite a bit for whatever reason he is deferring to driving as opposed to taking that three um maybe he enjoys going into traffic and getting his arms scratched <laughs> up like he just came out of jumanji or something well the the, the on, on the other side of this is is there the most automatic shot in basketball now is the floater from Nikola Jokic between the free throw line and the circle. So then if that's the most automatic, why are we bemoaning his lack of three-point tries? Because it's just another part of the arsenal. It's, part of, it's, it's another part of what makes him so great is that he is so skilled at everything that you can do on a basketball court. Did you like that behind the back? Larry oh, that was – Beautiful. To, to Jeff Green. That was that was absolutely beautiful. That's the stuff of uh, of dreams right there. <laughs> that is. Yes. That was. He. Wow. Uh, there. There was. 
uh, it was I think it was last week um, that fast break. You remember that pass? He said, uh, which fa- which pass? It, it was basically he got led too much, and he oh had, yeah yeah the drop off to Bruce Brown yes. where he dunked it. Yeah, that thing was that was unbelievable. Can we also chalk one up for uh, Nikola Jokic's athleticism when he goes coast to coast and oh, yeah. finishes like a, a very like low floater? Like and he was obviously trying to draw a foul there, and just right? bangs it in. Like, can I can I just tell you something about Nikola Jokic and how he tries to game the system? I've written this before. I don't think I've said it here. When he has an advantage on a guy, he will wait an extra second to try to draw a foul knowing that he can still score the basket. He doesn't lose the advantage, but he gains the potential for the referee to whistle it for an and one. He he does this all the time when he has the position and the body position where a guy can follow him, he, and it's almost like a tease. It's like, here you go, but you're not going to catch this, and I'm still going to score. Mm-hmm. Good luck trying. Yeah. That was a play where he probably could have got a foul if he, if, if the officials are on top he, of it. I think he... I mean, it was a weird, weirdly uh, whistled game. Um, a lot of just, you know, how about Bones pulling the chair on Luca? Luca oh, was... breaking his neck, falling in the flop. Yeah, lots of histrionics on that one as well. Uh, classic Luca. Um, so I want to move on to another topic here. Uh, MPJ, we haven't talked about at all, and he, he has not really. How many games has he missed now? What are we seven? At? Seven games. Um, when do we start getting concerned? I mean, I was concerned the moment Michael Malone did not offer me any kind of timeline when I asked him about the concern level. Um, they've been pretty vague. What was a heel contusion eventually showed up on the injury report as a heel strain. Curious how that happens, but I'm no doctor. Um, Right into one. Correct. And um, so, look, we we have to take them at their word. I I will say last night, again, I rewatched the TNT broadcast. Kevin Harlan's talking about the expectations that Porter could be back within a week. Um, Okay, news to me, Malone, shoot me a text, man. (laughs) What's going on? We can write some flowery stuff in the post if if you don't want the dog to pee on it anymore. Like, um, if he comes back in a week, you know, cool. I, I don't think they've necessarily been missing him that much. Bruce Brown has slotted in um, as that starter. Granted, the second unit's been in flux. Um, oh, uh-oh. Put him on the second unit. Oh, boy. Where's uh, where's Kisler when you need him? <laughs> um, the other thing that I will say is that I've been th- – that may be encouraging to Nuggets fans. I have been told that um, this heel injury – is not related to anything with his back um, and or, his, or, his surgeries or his drop foot or anything okay. to do. I, was, I wasn't I was actually going to say drop foot. I was going to say DF. Like, you know, we, no. don't, we don't need to We don't that. speak in codes. We don't um, need to say that drop foot. We keep it a 1,000 here. Um, and I've been told that it's not related. And, I mean, think about this, man. When you – like, I, I don't know if you've ever had any kind of heel pain, but it's hard to run. It's hard to put pressure on it, the pounding that it takes. You get to 40, you've had every pain there is, my friend. 40 huh blue road (laughs) shout out um so i think that there is uh optimism on that front um my concern level is not that high with porter and uh i mean for all those you know armchair coaches who say put him in put a wrap him in bubble wrap until april you're kind of getting your wish right here um, and, and he was off his feet. He's not playing it. Obviously he's not playing right now. He comes back. He's totally refreshed. Um, and then you can kind of juice that starting lineup again. Have you seen him work out at all? Have you been able to? I have. I've seen him shoot before games, which is obviously encouraging. He's, he's a little ginger, uh, to be honest with you. And, and it looks to me, you know, this is such garbage. I hate getting inside a guy's head, but it, it looks like he, he, it's just sensitive. To, to put pressure on it on those jumpers. Um, again, totally bogus. I hate doing that, but... Um, you Matt, are married to a doctor. Matt puts me on the spot, and we got to react. Hey. <laughs> uh, yeah, only, only one of us is married to a doctor. I'm married to a physical therapist, so I can't really say. I will back the bus up at every opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, if you're not, you're not concerned to my... About Michael Porter Jr. Uh, and, and and his health. What are you concerned about? Um, and we're not concerned about Jamal Murray and the fact that he's not been great. Been great yet. 
what, what what is the big red flag here? Is there are there any, or oh, are, yeah. are are you just fine with where things are at? Look, I am way more bullish on this team after the Dallas game, given the fact that there was progress in bones, there was progress in um, adjusting with the bench unit, um, than I was after those two games uh, in Atlanta and New Orleans. Those were eyebrows up, concerning. You know, one thing I liked, I, and this is kind of off topic a little bit, Christian Brown wasn't hitting his jump shot really last night. Mm-hmm. You know what he did after that? He attacked the rim. He made things happen. I th- That is something to me that's like, okay, this guy gets it. All right, I got to do want, something are, else. Are, are you taking a trip to Browntown? I, I love Browntown. Okay. Both Browns. Yep. What can Brown do for you? Yep, yep, yep. Um, now, Christian Brown plays, he plays smart. And so when you're not hitting your outside shot, you attack and, and you get to the rim, you crash the offensive glass, you play your butt off. Um, dude had a lot of pent up energy. That's what I, and I, and I actually, I talked to him uh, after the game last night and I just, I can't underscore how impressed I am with him uh, because he told me no matter what happens, I will not get frustrated. And maybe he's just bald faced lying to my face, which cool. You think his mom's frustrated? No doubt. go look up lisa brown on twitter and you will find she airs out her frustration (laughs) there's no sugarcoating that um but but, is is she gonna be the next babers green that's funny uh i don't think so i don't think so but look to christian's credit man he stayed ready and he didn't he, he didn't um begrudge his situation or moan or, or, or complain like it is odd to be in the rotation to be pulled from the rotation and then to be waiting and wondering um michael malone said he touched base with them a lot uh and and that you know and i go you know in what ways have you have you been engaged and stayed connected with the team he, and he's like even if i'm not playing off the court like i do everything i can to help the team and i go what does that mean he goes encourage them cheer them on like be i mean and i'm not making this up Every time out that when he's not on the court, he is the first one on the court and he's the furthest onto the court going to the very last guy walking off the court and congratulating them or just, or just high-fiving them or whatever he's doing. And that's not for show. I, I, I genuinely think that's who that, that, that's who this kid is. Um, so we went on a Christian Brown tangent. I, I, listen, all I'll say, the other thing I'll say about Christian Brown is like, is he actually 12 years old? Matt. That haircut. The haircut could use an update, <laughs> but he but he plays his butt off. He does, and um and I think that Calvin Booth found a very very promising, uh, reliable contributor, and again a guy who I think has the ca- capacity to be in the playoff rotation. Will we ever see the other rookie, Peyton Watson? Yeah, uh, twenty two points a game, good shooting. Uh, seven point something rebounds in Grand Rapids gold. Saw him on the bench last night. Decent pick. Seems like another guy. I'm curious with him. I, I, you know, I watch a lot of Pac-12. I know basketball. you, were, you were, you were like a Pac-12 after dark guy. And I yeah. think you were a hater, if well, I remember. My, my problem was is he couldn't crack the rotation with the with the Bruins. And you know, granted, that was like a senior laden team he was on. Um, and he when he would play. His decision-making with the ball was not great. And maybe that's why it's good to have him at the G League where he can sort of get used to that again. You know, if you don't play a lot and then you're thrown on the court, I can see how that that gets mucked up. Matt, that's why we're in here in the podcast studio with our podcast styrofoam, and Calvin Booth is sitting in that (laughs) chair uh, evaluating prospects for a living. He saw something. um, Well, the defense was always there. And he saw enough of the offensive package to say, I think we can work with that. Um, so it's yielded in Grand Rapids. At some point down the road, maybe it yields for the Nuggets. Um, but that's a swing. That's a that's a Jamichael Green, we can get you out of here. You're not really doing it for us. Get a first-round pick, recoup it, and Peyton Watson, you're coming in. So um, we're chalking one up to the uh, – MV in the Calvin Booth uh, in the Calvin Booth column. <laughs> That's at least two MVs right now. Yeah, big man on campus, big uh, booth. So the uh, the Nuggets are still right in the thick of things. Nobody's really jumping out here. The Suns are in first place, but there's five and a half games between first place and the Lakers <laughs> at 
they back at ten and thirteen, and I think at what number twelve or thirteen, uh, number thirteen in the in the standings. So uh, not a lot of uh, breathing room between the top and the bottom, and the Nuggets are right in the middle of it um, after playing a ton of road and games. It's about to get a lot easier, man. I think yeah. they have Washington at home, they have Charlotte at home, um, they've got uh, they've got the Grizzlies at home who are good, Trailblazers, Utah. Um, yeah, yeah, Utah. So I mean, not not as scared of Utah now. But what it, do you know? The Utah balloon has fizzled a little. Yeah, bit. but it's gonna get easier. I mean, like we talked to Jeff Green yes, yesterday's shoot around. He's just like, thank God, get me home. Like my wife will be happy. Jeff, my wife will be happy too. My wife is looking at me sideways. Like, is this your life? And I don't know what to tell her. I said, just keep doctoring, and I'll keep <laughs> reporting. <laughs> Yeah, just just to to be clear here, Portland on the road, one last uh, rotor before they uh, they get Utah, Washington at Lakers, then Charlotte, Memphis, Portland, and Phoenix at home on Christmas night. How are we already talking about Christmas? Oh Christmas game at eight thirty p.m. Love those. I, I why why eight thirty? Hey, why don't you tell them? Why don't you tell the people your motivation, Matt? Well, the, our print deadline is. <laughs> Hellish. <laughs> not not good for an eight thirty tip. I'll tell you that. Yep. Doesn't work. Not my favorite either. And also the Broncos are playing that day. But um we finished that eight thirty game, ends at about midnight, twelve oh one. It's your boy's birthday. So oh boy. we, we, we go hard on Christmas night. And that's that's uh, how is Hanukkah over? But I don't know how it works. I, I, give me give me the, the Hanukkah calendar. Uh, it's eight crazy nights. Eight. Uh, uh, unclear when it starts. Unclear when it ends. <laughs> okay, we, we we don't know the, the start. Of the, is is does is Hanukkah land on Christmas more often than not? Like forty percent of the time when I was a kid. Okay, forty percent of the time. But I don't know when. Uh, the, my favorite thing is that our producer is now googling when Hanukkah is. But uh, <laughs> I'm not sweating this one. Um, Are you? Do you have a menorah at home? N- no. In no. fact, I need to go get a Christmas tree. Oh. Bat, no, yeah. No dreidel either? Uh, no, no dreidel. Oh, my God. I, I used to love playing dreidel. <laughs> we've, we've officially we, – we've run amok here. <laughs> you, you play dreidel at home, right? You, What's a dreidel? Oh, you don't, come on. You don't know what a dreidel is. No. No. Enlighten me. Uh you know, I, the all-knowing. I, I could sing you a dreidel song that I learned in third grade for we're, our, we're good our, holiday, uh, our holiday pageant. I think we're good You're here. Not 14 interested? and 10. Nuggets are fourth in the West. <laughs> They're all right, guys. The, the sink is not be shipping. Sinking. <laughs> what what just happened there? Wow, we really went off the rails at the end of this podcast. Uh, there's like probably 10 people listening at this point anyway, so we're fine. Mike, singer, thank you for joining me in uh, this uh, padded room that we're in. Uh, and Aaron Ontiver is uh, providing his expert uh, analysis and uh, notes during our podcast, always great as well. We'll be back here again soon. I will, at some point, read off user reviews from iTunes. Uh, it's Mike Singer's favorite thing. He loves it when we do it. We're going to do it again soon. So if you haven't already, go on to iTunes. Yeah, I'm old. I still use iTunes. Go on to iTunes, review the podcast, five stars, and then tell the truth that we stink. That's fine. We're, we can take it. We're big boys. Thank you, Matt. Talk to you soon. Turn around. You're living in the shadow.